I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. Hey, it's Michelle here. You're listening to the Calm Mom Podcast. Today we are talking to all the mamas who feel overcommitted and overwhelmed. How many of you are there? Because same, I've been there. I've been there. And today we have a conversation with Melanie Sadka. She is just such a gem. She calls herself a human behavior enthusiast. How good is that? And she really helps overwhelm people who are overcommitted and distracted. Her jam is capacity management. So she has created structures and frameworks that really show how we're addicted to distraction and the impact that it is having on our bodies. And she's done research and she's trademarked different tools that have helped tens of thousands of people in managing their personal capacity while staying out of burnout and doing more of what they love. And we talk a lot about bandwidth on this show. We talk about our capacity 
we talk about burnout. Um, so this conversation really fits in to all of that. Melanie has been engaging and shifting the perspective of her audiences in the classroom and in the boardroom and in the conference room. And today we're going to talk about really why capacity building isn't so much about managing our time. We're going to talk about distraction, how prevalent it is, the impact that it has on us. And then we're going to dive in a little bit about hustle culture. Um, She also has this free capacity assessment that we'll talk about at the end um, to help you really understand where you're at, what state of capacity you're operating out of, and then be able to assess and audit your capacity sucking behaviors and the ways in which you tend to overcommit. Enjoy this conversation with Melanie Sadka. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast. I'm so excited to have you with us today. Thanks for making the time to be here. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. I am thrilled to talk about all of the good stuff and all of the real stuff with you. Yes. So before we do that, I would love it if you would just kind of take a few minutes to just let people know a little bit about who you are, kind of the work that you're doing, and then let's let's jump in. Yes. I'm a human enthusiast, like a human behavior geek. I love to better understand how we make decisions, really specifically around our commitment tendencies and you know why we make the decisions we we do and and what drives that and and really how does that lead to overcommitment and burnout and just why do we indulge in the things that we do and and how do we manage that better? So I love looking at, you know, just things like the hustle culture and how that's impacted the different generations, because I do speak to so many different demographics. And a lot of this comes from personal experience. I think that's where a lot of our purpose and our passion really grows and thrives in is what, what have we experienced that we have a desire to change um, and to impact in others. So I have my own burnout stories. I have my own overcommitment tendency stories and, and habits to share. And, and you know, it's a, it's always a work in progress. And so that's that's what I love to do. I'm also a business professor where I teach entrepreneurship and international business. And I love to be in the classroom with college and university students and be able to impact their trajectories and help them along the way as well. So that's mm-hmm. That's something to do. And one of my, well, my favorite job is a mom. I love momming. Like it's, it's, it just gets better every day. And so, you know, I just try to apply these strategies and, and keep learning and, and transferring that knowledge back to the different hats I wear. I love that. Okay. So I want to get into a lot of this. I also would love to touch on at some point in our conversation today too, how we can talk to our kids about hustle culture <laughs> and about like, you know, cause I think about it now, I'm not, hundred years removed from middle school and high school, like it's 20, 20 years ago. But still, I feel like there's been such a change in the expectations on our kids academically, extracurricularly, their sports, all of this stuff. And I feel like we probably have a big, pretty big responsibility as their parents <laughs> to make sure that the hustle culture of the world doesn't just, you know, swipe them up like it does so many of us if we're not aware, probably, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd be happy to talk about that because that is just something that we, you know, that just exists in our family and a conversation that we have. And, you know, I think my kids thought, I think that I invented the word capacity. Obviously I didn't, but it just comes up so much because, you know, it just, we forget that they absorb what we do and that they, you know, they emulate the decisions that we make and, and the behaviors that we show. So capacity management for kids 
it's just as important. Yeah. Okay. So I definitely want to get there. You mentioned something just a while ago. You were talking about commit our commitment tendencies. (laughs) And I think especially with this audience, it's like high achieving women who are raising children. And I think there's just another pandemic on on an issue with commitment tendencies, um, especially obviously in overcommitting, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how that looks? Because I think for some people, they're not even aware of their level of overcommitment. It's just how they've been operating for so long or how they think they're expected to operate. And then second, I think it would be interesting for you to speak to how does that kind of originate and arise? Like I kind of see it as this sneaky little thing that kind of grows over time subtly. And then all of a sudden we're like, I'm so burnt out. I don't know what happened here. So talk to us about that a little bit. For sure. I think these are really amazing questions. And and I think, you know, if we just start back to how did we get to this burnout you know, epidemic, like what happened? Like, and you know, it's always been there. I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day and, and burnout has always existed. It just had different titles. So it really started back in military when, when, you know, our, our, our veterans would come home and they would be burnt out. And then it stemmed from the caregiver burnout, you know, where women would just stay home and take care of everything. And that happened. And then it would go into the healthcare burnout and then it was corporate burnout. And now we're in kind of like average life burnout, which, you know, we really, we really shouldn't be. But I think with all of the, all the possibilities, all of the opportunity, all of the options, we have never been faced with so much opportunity that we just don't necessarily have the discernment to decide and really the the understanding to say, okay, well, if I say yes to this one thing, what are the expectations? What are the implications that come with it? Mm-hmm. And that's really a big a big piece that I, I distinguish in terms of time versus capacity, right? And if you're like me and the listeners are like me, if there's one open hour in my calendar, you bet I'm going to fill it. I'd be like, yep, I can do it. I'm going to schedule it in there. I'm going to get it done. But what I always forget is like, just because I think it's going to take an hour, I really forget about what is like the pre-work or the pre-thought or just that that time and energy that it's going to take before. And then the recovery. Sometimes if you're, you know, you're saying yes to going to a party or taking your kids somewhere, you forget that there could be this aftermath that you didn't plan for. Mm-hmm. So time is like, what can we get done within, you know, this, this time metric? And capacity is what is the quality of energy that we have to actually accomplish that mm-hmm. commitment or that task. So big difference. So I think that's the culprit is that we really underestimate the energy it takes to fulfill a timed commitment. Mm, that's good. I think that's so, so true. And I can relate <laughs> to all of this. I think sometimes too, and I was just thinking as I was looking over the questions for today, I think as women, as high achieving women, we can sometimes get caught in this trap of comparison, whether it's social media or yeah. mom friends or a sister, whoever. And we see this woman and we're like, man, how does she do it mm-hmm. all? Like she seems to do so much. And you know, we know and we talk about like no one does it all, right? But also and and there and we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Maybe they have more help, maybe they have more resources, maybe whatever. But also they may just have a greater capacity than yes. you do because they've exercised and grown that capacity and they've expanded their edges. Can you talk to us a little bit about <laughs> when you talk about capacity, what it is you're talking about and maybe yes. how we can 
gently grow that capacity. If, if that's something that we're like, man, you know what? I, I actually don't think I'm operating at capacity or maybe I'm operating beyond the capacity and how do, what do yeah. I do? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is where I've created these frameworks and, you know, a self-assessment to really understand like, what is my capacity? So there's two parts to this. I'll get to the assessment in just a second, but capacity is, is made up of three resources. It's made up of our energy, right? So what does this emotional, mental, physical energy look like? And we have to do an audit, right? Because a lot of times too, our like our bandwidth in emotional is just like taken up, which impacts our physical energy and, you know, obviously takes up space in our mental energy. So they all play onto each other. So we really have to take a look at what is the quality of my energy? How am I caring for the, the smaller aspects that make up, you know, the quality of my energy? The second piece is about purpose, right? Purpose is about like what fulfills us. Like what are our goals, our desires? Like what are we doing in this world that lights us up? And, you know, there are ways to evaluate. Are we lagging? Are we languishing? You know, are we flourishing? What does that look like? But really understanding, are we living our purpose? And what do we need to do in order to create space for that purpose? The other piece is connection. And connection is a big one for me because, you know, we're, we're humans and we're built and wired to connect with people. So how are we nurturing our relationships? How are we staying connected to people and really, you know, thriving in this ecosystem to support each other? So we have to, you know, we have to put into that in order to take out, right? So those are really like basically the three pieces that I, that I challenge people to evaluate in their lives to say, okay, how, you know, where am I at in these three pieces? What might I need to up level? What do I need to kind of clean out and, you know, declutter to create space for, for, for more quality pieces? Mm -hmm. So those are the, those are the three areas that I, you know, I really build this assessment from to really understand where you're at. Mm. I love that because what I hear within that too, is a level of discernment and, and, yes. and right. Because I think sometimes we can hear these things and it's like three steps or three. And it's like, mm -hmm. ah, it's just more stuff to do, <laughs> but really this isn't yeah. right. This is like, yes, it's, it's taking, it's removing some things and weeding some of those things out of the garden. Right. And then yeah. adding in the things that are life-giving and energy giving, which you're telling us is, is what's going to help grow our capacity. Absolutely. You know, the, I call it the art of resignment. Oof. And I do this in my keynotes and in my workshops. We go through a structure to really start to evaluate what is our biggest distractor, which I know we're going to get there, but what is our biggest offense when it comes to, you know, time stealing and capacity eroding behaviors? And then we get up to this, this next piece where it's like, okay, we're going to resign from something, whether it's a mindset, it could be a commitment, it could be a committee, it could be a job, it could be something that's really bringing us down and really taking up way too much of our bandwidth in order to create capacity for the thing we really want to. So we have to also understand what is it that we want and that we need that we're not getting in our lives to, to start to say, okay, I'm going to say no to this. So I can say yes to that. And Michelle, that's exactly what discernment is, is yeah. being clear in those moments of decisiveness. Yeah, yeah. So good. So what are, let's talk about these capacity eroding behaviors. I would yeah. love to hear more about it if they're kind of universal or if there's some that different people latch onto more than others, how we can, again, discern them in our own lives. Yeah. 
It's so unique to everybody, right? Because like you said too, I mean, like everybody has a different capacity and it depends on where you're at. And it's like a muscle, right? You have to keep working on it to build it. You have to keep, you know, stretching it. You have to keep, there's just, there's, there's so many things that we have to do in order to keep it healthy. And so before I even get to those distract, distracting habits, what I like for people to do, and they can take this assessment online. It's very, very quick. And it's on the homepage at capacitycreator.com is understand what state of capacity they're currently in. Love it. And I think that's what helps people understand, okay, wait a minute, I'm at a level of distraction that is like is completely throwing me off my game and taking me away from the important things. And there's four. So you know, you'll be able to see, and they're not, it's not personality test. It's not based on your IQ or your EQ. It's really simply about what state are you in given? Are you overindulgent? Are you completely depleted and in burnout? Are you rocking it? Like, are you on fire in your most discerning, you know, headspace? Like you got things, things are working like clockwork or are you languishing Mm -hmm. where you're just like little lost, you know, life feels like it's meh, (laughs) you know, like where are you at? And then we can start to take a look at, okay, what's causing this, Right. right? Like, what are those things? So if you think about distracting behaviors, I like, what What would you say yours is? What is your most biggest distracting offense? I think, you know, my phone, obviously, like most people, yeah. it's probably my biggest distracting <laughs> offense. I think big picture, I mm-hmm. tend to struggle leaving margin and white space to be able to rest to then move forward in strength. So I tend to go, go, go until I'm on the verge of burnout. And then only then do I like, and big picture, I think that is distracting because I'm not at capacity when I'm on the verge of burnout. Those are probably my two biggest. Yeah. I love that. I love that because I think it's probably going to resonate with so many of your listeners, because again, if we're not operating full tilt, if our calendars aren't full, you know, if there's open space, we're like, oh, we got to get some more stuff done. And I think that's where we've been trained and we, you know, we've, we've drank the Kool-Aid to say, okay, you know, we have to be firing at all cylinders at all times. And we've really, we've forgotten about the restorative piece. We've forgotten about, you know, the, the, the space that is required to recover and restore. Like I always equate this to when, you know, if anybody is listening, if they're an athlete or if their kids are athletes, or if they understand this, this world, there's the pregame, there's the in-game execution, and there's the post-game, right? And the pregame is all about like, what do you do to set yourself up for success? You know, if we take a look at, I love, we love, we're a basketball family. If you take a look at like NBA players, they like lift weights, they do this mindset stuff before a game, and then they get in game and they play hard and they hustle because we're going to talk about stretching your capacity. When you're on the court, when you're in game time mode, you're stretching your capacity and you've worked to be able to do that. And then what do you do is you come off and you take a rest. Mm. And then what do you do post game? What is that recovery? And is it healthy? Like, for example, after a talk or keynote, I used to come home and have like a nice big glass of Chardonnay until I realized that wasn't the right thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like I've depleted my energy. Celebrating with a big glass of Chardonnay probably wasn't the best thing. So what I do now is I just take silent moments by myself. I journal. I reflect. And I eat something healthy just mm-hmm. to replenish my body and, and my mind. So it's really taking care of that, of that capacity, noticing where, where are we distracted from? And, you know, you hit on that comparisonitis as well. You know, the comparisonitis in social media is really one of the biggest drivers yeah. do wanting to do more, needing right. to do more. Yeah. 
I've got a question for you. Do you sometimes feel like you're more sensitive than other people? Does the routine stress of life just feel overwhelming? Maybe sometimes you feel like you could just tap out or run and hide. Are you really creative? You got this great imagination. Or maybe you feel like you're disconnected from your body or like you're a misfit here on earth. You might have thought that's just how you are. All these things are just part of your personality. But they're actually coping mechanisms that you've picked up over the course of your life and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially in this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit, then they became a pattern. Now, as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's interesting, right? There are five personality patterns. They're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategies that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what is blocking who you are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. So I'm here as you're speaking, and this is all so good. I'm I'm kind of hearing a tension or like a a paradox maybe about, you know, we want to grow our capacity, but it's not necessarily so we can fill it and just do more all the time. So kind of speak a little bit to that tension for people who are like, I just want to grow my capacity so I can be a hundred times busier or do a hundred more things. And it's like, I'm not really sure that's the end goal, right? No, it's not. And I think that's where hustle culture feeds this and like, you know, feeds us all of this false hope to do more, to be more. And then just these quick fixes. When we grow our capacity, it has to be with purpose. It's what are we, what are we wanting to do? That's again, going to align with our purpose, align with our passion, take care of our energy and nurture our community. Again, back to those three basic things. And these are the questions we need to ask ourselves before we say yes to anything else. Because when we say yes to new things, there's these expectations that come with it that we forget about, right? So, you know, when you, when you stretch that capacity and you build that capacity, there's, there's some things that I, I I just really encourage people to think about and to listen to their gut. A lot of times it feels thrilling to say yes. Like the adrenaline's pumping. You're like, yes, I can do it. I'm going to push through this. It's going to be amazing. And it's just going it, to, it's going to give me huge results. Right. But I think if we think about, okay, yes, it feels great now. How's it going to feel in two weeks, right. four weeks, six weeks, six months. So that's number one. Two, does this commitment and these expectations feel frantic? Like I know when you're like, it's FOMO, right? The fear of missing out, like do it now, buy now. You're, it's never going to come again. Like, does it feel frantic? And if it does, it's probably not the time, right? Yeah. The third thing too is, is this commitment based in people pleasing? And I would say this is one of my biggest offenses yeah. and, you know, tied to distraction is, will it make people happy? Right. And am I giving the power to other people 
to judge if this is something that I need to do or that I should do versus listen to myself. Mm. And then if you think we all have confidants, we all have mentors. And if I would ask them, you know, the wisest person in my life, you know, would this be the right thing to do? What would they say? Mm, And lastly, this is the tricky one. Okay. If you're talking to somebody and you're talking about this decision, are there any facts or information that you hide or you withhold? <laughs> right? Yeah, like, but- if like you don't want to tell them because you know they're going to be like, mm, no, that's not a good decision. You already know. <laughs> yeah, you already know. So I think like that's a, that's another way to just kind of quickly self-check when you're making a decision to grow your capacity, you know, to say yes to something. But understanding you have to say no to something else. This is the other piece that we just forget, right? We just like build and build and build until like I use this analogy, Michelle, of this elastic when we say yes and we stretch and we stretch and we stretch until it snaps. Mm. Yep. So we tend to go to that point until it snaps and then we're like, okay, I guess I need a rest now. Like that is our cue to get a rest. And unfortunately, that's just not healthy. Yeah. So with within all of this, people pleasing, going until this, this elastic snaps. Yeah. These are patterns that yes. run quite deep. Yes. And I would love for you to speak to people who are like, yeah, I know I do these things or I'm listening and all of a sudden I'm <laughs> gaining this awareness that I do these things. It can be so uncomfortable because it is so foreign yes. to, to now pivot and be like, okay, I'm going to make an intention to do something different this time. Talk to me a little bit about how we kind of break some of these patterns that help grow our capacity. Yeah. And this is a tough one. When we start making the tough decisions, whether it's resigning from things, you know, I will share a story that I really haven't shared with anybody yet either. So again, as a business professor, I have just taken a personal leave of absence Mm -hmm. and I am a person who has done both. I've run my business and I've been a professor and I've been successful in both, Mm -hmm. but I finally hit this point where I was like, I can no longer be a hundred percent true to myself in both roles because they do different things and I can't show up and I can't just keep switching my hats off. So, so making the tough decision and jumping in, like, obviously this is, you know, we're going to have to adjust financially, but we had to plan for this. I'm going to have to adjust in terms of my identity because, you know, I identify as a professor, but I also identify as a speaker in, you know, and a capacity creator. So really making some adjustments there, but intercepting this pattern we know what the answer is. We just are so good at convincing ourselves that we can get away with it, that we can do it all, that we'll just get it done. We'll sleep later, you know, we'll, and it doesn't work. So we have to be prepared to really listen to, there's like something screaming at us inside when we're at that point that we need to let go of something or try something different. And it's usually the scariest freaking thing ever. And I finally decided to listen to it. I finally decided to listen to it. And it's like a kid having a tantrum (laughs) or the best negotiating child out there. Like it will be, you know, this whole self, you'll negotiate with yourself. What don't do it, you know, don't take that leave. You can do both. Just kind of show up to work differently. Just manage your schedule differently. Get a nanny, get this. And it's like, no, no, that those, those are no longer options for me. I have to listen to that most difficult, scariest decision and go for it and then go it all in on yourself. Yes. That's so brave. And you're like, oh man, I'm so glad you shared this story because 
I, I relate to it in so many ways because listeners know like a year ago I started this podcast. I'm, I'm still practicing law to pay the bills, like right. diplomas on the wall, still <laughs> Zoom depositions, but it doesn't light me up. And right. like, I did it for all of the reasons that we've talked about today, the people pleasing and the expectations and the, you know, all of the things Yes. in the past year that I've been doing this work, coaching women and, you know, bringing on people like yourself and resourcing them and doing all this nervous system work. Like I'm also feeling like I'm on the precipice of making this jump and to just hear you like speak <laughs> into that is so encouraging and I know for people listening to that, like so many of these listeners are, their hands are in so many different projects and yes. it, it really is just scary, you know, to make, to make that leap, but man, like to just see you on the other side of it, of, of yes. making the leap, right. And then building what it is that you've decided to go all in for is so encouraging to all of us, because I was talking to my husband about this the other day, he made this big decision. And he's like, oh, it just feels so good. feels so good. And I was like, because living in alignment is one of the best feelings on the planet. It is. It is. And and we're, we're, we're sold that, you know, we're sold false alignment. We're sold like, you know, you can do it and have it all and be in alignment. And I just call bullshit on that. Sorry, yes. I'm not sure if we're, but, but I, I do because I think, you know, you can't, I, I think even just like work-life balance, like that's BS too, because every day is a new reset of balance. Right. Every day we get thrown things that we need to, okay, we need to absorb, we need to balance. We need to kind of figure out what's going to work for us. You know, when we, especially when we have families and multiple obligations. So I'm with you. And I think, you know, making that jump, I also caution people because it does take a little bit of preparation. Cause a lot of times we're also like, just, it. just do it. Just F it. Don't plan for it. Just go for it. And it's like, wait, like there's a financial, you know, piece to this too, that we had to be ready for. There's a mental and emotional piece. My work had to be on board with this. And I'm so grateful that they were, they, re they recognized I too wanted, I needed a break and it was yeah. just good for, for health. And so I think, you know, planning for that, getting the right supports. I didn't tell a lot of people about this. Actually, mm. I told the, the few people that I trusted and I think that was a, a big part because if you start telling the world you're going to do it, mm. you know, that could probably backfire. Yeah. 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 Another thing you brought up in that, that I want to touch on a little bit too, sure. is identity. Mm. Because I think like I noticed it this last week, my sister had her bachelorette party in North Carolina. Mm. So like I met her up there with her friends for the weekend. Yeah. I noticed that although maybe 20% of my time now is practicing law, I, whenever anyone asked me what I do, I told them that I'm an attorney. Sure. Right? And it's like, I was like, oh, Michelle, this is so interesting because my identity is so wrapped up in that. And I've been practicing law for, you know, 12 years or in whatever it is. And it's like, there's something that I'm still so attached to in that label. Yes. And, you know, I wonder if you experienced that with the, with the professor part and then how, 100%. That, you know, kind of feeds into our capacity also, because we almost wear this badge of busyness with so much pride and it's like, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, like someone wants to have lunch with me. I'm available in six weeks, you know? And it's like, no, that's not good. That's not healthy, but, no. but it's become wrapped up in our identity as, and I think especially as high achieving moms. Yes. We're not flattering anybody by squeezing anybody in FYI, right? <laughs> like, come on. Like, I think it's like, oh yeah, I'll like it used to be part of my vernacular. I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll squeeze you in. And I'm like, 
that is the probably the most insulting thing I could ever say to somebody. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm with you on that. I think, you know, just this, you know, someone did, I, I had a business partner a few years ago and we parted ways. And when we would go and do any sort of consulting together, you know, under our business name, I would introduce myself as, hi, I'm Melanie Sodka and I'm a business professor and I'm a consultant. And she'd be like, Mel, why do you always say professor first? And I think, again, it's it's something I'm proud of, right? It's I believe it's a you know prestigious title, like, you know, a lawyer as well. I mean, like an attorney. I mean, that's just something that the world recognizes as you worked hard, you went to school for that. You know, these are these are great positions. And I'm very grateful that I have that um, position. So I think that's why we lead with that. I think there's still a little bit of, if we dig into that ourselves, I think there's almost a little bit of insecurity behind saying, oh, I'm a coach or I'm a consultant because everybody seems to be that. So if you're not prepared to step into it fully with intention and believe in yourself, then I think we almost use the other as a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. It's interesting. Yeah. Also so important why we all have coaches and mentors and therapists and all of these things (laughs) because Lord knows we all need it. Exactly. Exactly. Good. Okay. So I kind of want to bring it kind of back around kind of where we started about our kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how old yours are and maybe, you know, you can, you can talk to us a little bit about that, but I want to be intentional about like mine are little, they're six and four. And even like when I pick them up from school and I know they've had their spelling test or their whatever, like I try to not bring that up until like after dinner or something, because I don't want them to feel that it's like, you know, we're an achievement driven home or they have so much pressure to do all the things and be all the things. And partly because I think a lot of us have experienced that growing up and I want to be it to be different for my kids. And I think hustle culture really feeds a lot into that. So I would love for you to tell us how you talk to your kids about their capacity and maybe just like them having an awareness of it, even as at a young age is such a gift that a lot of us, even as adults, I think are just starting to learn. Yeah. I think one of the the easiest thing, and I've been so much feedback on this from all the clients and people that I speak to is just a small tweak in language Hmm. allows a whole new world of expression. So a lot of times we're like, oh, I just don't have the time. Like, I I don't have time for this. Mm. I'm running out of time. And I think if we switch that or added, I I just don't have the capacity for that right now. Yep. Is such a is such an a thing that that children can adopt. Like my children have adopted that. So when we talk about it, I'll give you an example. And in this, you know, I I recorded this, I think, because my mind was blown, but it was a conversation with my daughter who's 13, but who is then nine. And we were talking, she was in dance and four days a week or three days a week. She was also in basketball. And we were at that point at that juncture, we had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, we didn't influence that decision. That was all her. But, you know, she said, mom, I want to play basketball, but the dance studio is making me do ballet, which I don't really want to do. So I just don't have the capacity to do both. Mm. And I was like, as soon as she used that word, like you felt instantly that it wasn't just time for a child because time is elusive for them. They don't really get that because we're the ones driving them around, right? It it was more like energy. Like I'm not going to have the energy to play basketball three days a week and try to go to dance three days a week and make it all work. So I think, you know, when you start talking about 
you know, how, how they're feeling, you know, how are they, how are they feeling after a practice or after a game? Is it bringing them joy, Mm. you know, or are they depleted? Do they feel rushed? Like, what is the energy like in the house? Is it frenetic? Is it, is it just, you know, is it just, again, is it rushed? Is it, is it trying to meet all these deadlines and then you lose the joy and you lose, you know, all the skills and all the, the, even just the emotion that's built through, through sport and play and, and creative, yeah, creative commitments there. So in our house, yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. We, I don't, I don't think I ask. It's good that you say that. I don't think I necessarily ask like, how was school? Mm -hmm. What made you feel good? Is there something that's bugging you? Um, Is there something that you want to, you know, talk a little bit more about something you heard. We also say like, what new word did you learn? (laughs) I love that. Uh, So we just really focus. Yeah. We focus on language a lot to really express ourselves. And yeah, we always say, okay, when we look at our schedules, what do we want to do? What do we have time for? And what do we have energy for? And that's just, that's just part of the conversation that, that goes on in the house. That's so good. Cause time is fixed. Right. And I think like, so many times when we think like, I don't have time, it's like, well, you have the same, what's that mean? Like we all have the same amount of time in a day as Beyonce or something. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yes. We yes. all have the same time. So it's, time's not the issue. No. Um, so yeah, just having that recognition and the intentionality with the words. I love that. Even my little ones, like it seems like semantics, but it's kind of to your point also, it's like, you know, my oldest was like, I'm starving. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to check you for a minute. You know, like, let's just be careful about the <laughs> yes. things that we say. And it's true. Like, yes. it's, it's actually a big deal. Yeah. So good. Well, on that note, just quickly too, what I talk about is we, all, there's a lot of words that are thrown around that are just like more clinical than they, so like addiction. Yeah. So a lot of times we talk about, oh, like so addicted to the, you know, the Game Boy or, or the, the, you know, She's whatever. Xbox. OCD. Yeah. <laughs> so OCD, I'm so depressed and it's not, and we have to really, you know, we, I call people out on that all the time because I think, you know, we're not addicted and that's where distraction comes in. Like distraction is the desire to escape discomfort. Right. And I think a lot of times what we do is we just pull out our phones and it's distraction, but we're like, oh, I'm so addicted. And these games, they make me so. And it's like, no, you control that at the end of the day. That is self-control. That is not addiction. Yes, I get it is gamified to the max to get your attention. Right. That's part of part of the whole economy, the attention economy. But you ultimately control how much time you spend on your phone. And we have all the tools in the world to help us control that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, no, we're not addicted to our phones. No. I nope. tell people I'm like the most productive app on your phone is airplane mode, right? Put <laughs> 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 away. Put away. 100%. Oh, so good. Man, well, this has been so great. I just thank you. I thank you for the work that you're doing. I think it's so important. And I really appreciate your time today just pouring into me and pouring into our audience. Before I let you go, tell people where they can take this assessment on your website, right? You said, yeah. Yeah. So we'll link that in the show notes, but just everyone can find you and learn more about what you're sharing. Yeah. They can come and see me on Instagram at Melanie Sadka, like vodka, but with an S in capacity creator as well. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on YouTube. Yeah. You can find me on the website, capacitycreator.com. So I'm there. I'm very responsive too. So if anybody has any questions or wants to follow up with discussion, I'm game. I love it. And you too. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I'm with you. I support you. I encourage you to make the leap when you're ready. And, I, and I'm here for you because I think, you know, a lot of people might be in, in the same boat. 
Yes. So, yeah. Thank you. I, I receive that. And I was actually just going to say the same thing. I'm like, man, I'm in your corner and I'm <laughs> so hard as you go all thank in you. on this new endeavor. Yeah. I believe it's for you and you're going to bless so many people. So thanks again. Thank you. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.